2: hi you're listening to fail like an artist with your hosts julie Battisti.
1: and me phoebe ganza a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight advice and humor
2: each episode we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it but today we're talking about ai but before we get stuck into that juicy topic phoebe <laughs> how are you
1: oh i am good, julie i am so <laughs> excited about this (laughs) i have not been dreaming about it endlessly and feel like i need to cleanse my brain now and never think about it again it is a topic Uh, that makes my head hurt yeah um but i'm okay i'm 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 all right i think i don't know actually (laughs) i don't think i am that's a lie uh let's talk about you how are you? What What's your talk about your life? What's going on in Judy's life?
2: Well, we actually sat down to record this podcast last night, and when we did, there was a spider that I could see,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and now there is no longer a spider, and I can't decide what is worse, <laughs> knowing a where the spider. spider is or not knowing, because that's the sort of thing that creeps me out. I've actually I've been sick all week, so that has forced me to slow down and take it easy a bit. Mm-hmm. Which I find quite difficult to do I still was happy with the amount of progress that I made during the week I just had quite a few early nights And I used that time to sort through quite a few of my cloud images Which was good mm-hmm. I'm quite excited because especially after our chat last week about art friendships i mm-hmm. found that there is a group of women artists in Dunedin getting together this Saturday So oh, cool. I'm going to go with a friend along to that and check it out Which is, I don't know, quite exciting The potential for make- making some more art friends mm. Especially ones that I could see in person, not that mm-hmm. I don't love my online friends.
1: Yes, um, I will not get jealous of you having actual real friends.
2: <laughs> you'll always be my pod wife, the one and only. The pod
1: wife. And you'll be my pod mother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we see this relationship in very different
1: ways. <laughs> yeah i do I, I offer my messages to Julia. i'm like okay mom
2: <laughs> all right phoebe we're getting ready now <laughs>
1: i'm like yeah thanks sorry mom that's that is exciting i are you going to be doing any sort of art activities or is it just more of a like drinks and nibbles or like uh, how did what does one do at uh, one of these meet and greet things
2: i don't really know i've never really done one before i'm hoping it's just a meet and greet because i'm not really up for group activities <laughs> No, I think it's just a social meet and greet. So that would be lovely.
1: Yeah, I don't do very well at those kind of things. I'd have to go with a friend or something. Otherwise, I just get really awkward and end up talking far too much and saying weird things.
2: (laughs) I am going with a friend, but it's been a long time since I've done anything like that socially, like with people that I don't know. So Mm. I don't know how awkward I'm going to get, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, well... Report back next Thought week. For next I, can't, week. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Yeah, this is it. You were like, I don't really have a life. And I'm like, Right, well, go out and get one. <laughs> we need more my things homework. for the podcast.
2: What about you? How's your week been?
1: Oh, life life-wise, um I've got an eye twitch that won't go away. Really Does that sum up head. your week? <laughs> Pretty much sums up my week. I've got this twitch in my left eye, and it keeps going back, and I think. I think it might be, like, stress-related or or tiredness. I'm not really sleeping that well. I've still got, like, insomnia on and off. I don't want to Google it because I don't want to... Co- or ask chat GTP. Like, what does an eye twitch mean? Just in case it comes back to something, like, terrible. My coping met- method at the moment is just ignoring it. Uh, but it's still there. It's quite distracting. I have found that my sleep is slightly better because I've been going for a run, trying to go for a run three times a week. Yes, um which I hate, really hate running. I'm not very good at it. I definitely don't think it falls under the category of running. I think I am definitely sort of slow jogging, but I feel like the word jogging was retired in the 90s no one says it anymore. So, so I'm bringing it back.
2: Yeah, bring it back. I'm bringing back jogging.
1: <laughs> I'm actually going to say, I'm going for a jog. Can we we'll see if anyone raises an eyebrow? like an
2: artist lexicon jogging, howdy doody, all sorts of cool stuff. Join us. Well,
1: we're so cool. We're so- <laughs> I had never heard the phrase "How do you do, do?" until I met you, and now I think about it all the time.
2: I didn't even know that I used it, but you know, look. Sometimes we don't realise we're that cool until someone reflects yeah. it back to us. Yeah, exactly.
1: But yeah, I went for a run. Was it yesterday or the day before? And I had to kind of shuffle the last little bit home because I feel like one of my feet has grown, and I'm I'm just wondering, like, if your feet can suddenly grow as an adult is that a thing or no? you're asking the wrong person <laughs> does anyone out there have their feet suddenly grow um tm me let me know <laughs> i feel like my left foot's slightly bigger than it used to be your um, shoes are the
2: same size you checked definitely the same size
1: shoes no I didn't <laughs> go and accidentally buy two different size shoes um so i'm gonna have to re- retire my new trendy shoes and go back to my sad like old lady eats shoes that my husband calls sketches <laughs> they're not they're not then <laughs> then just not they look like they're not cool can i just say
2: life. that you mm. wear crocs but i wear crocs you're slagging off
1: sketches <laughs> oh, no. i don't wear crocs out of the house apart from that one time uh, <laughs> sorry
2: <laughs> i promised myself we weren't gonna like
1: venture into shoe and sock bed oh god but... we're there oh we're back there okay i'm gonna move away from that <sighs> also in life I have discovered smashed potatoes which are um now a firm favorite by with my children Did you find um, them through
2: chat 10 looks 3
1: No I didn't actually I found them through a reel on Instagram because apparently the algorithm knows that I quite like watching cooking reels so now <laughs> I keep getting cooking reels And um yeah I saw this reel and I was like I have to make those tonight like <laughs> immediately goes out and buys a bag of potatoes so that I could make smashed smashed potatoes really yummy I'll put a recipe in the show notes okay this is a podcast about food now (laughs) but um to circle back to to AI I have been using chat GTP a little bit as much as I don't really you know want to feed the algorithm for dinner ideas so like basically you can just type in some random ingredients that you've got in your fridge or your pantry or whatever and say give me five meal ideas using these ingredients and it comes up with like a list of meals and yeah so it's actually been quite handy because I don't know about you but thinking about what to cook for dinner every night is like my absolute worst oh god yeah and it gave me like a whole meal plan of ideas and it was like you know new things I hadn't 'Cause I just get stuck I don't know about you, but I just get stuck cooking the same like five meals over and over again. So yeah, just quite good and I don't know, and then you can refine it and say, I don't like that one, try it give me another one and then it just keeps going and spitting out new things and so you know, as much as this podcast I might kind of not be that into the whole AI revolution. There I can't I can't lie that there are some parts I like. <laughs> How are you on the fail scale this week, Julie?
2: Uh, I'd say I'm still about a four on the fail scale. So mm-hmm. things that have gone wrong this week in would be things like I still haven't found pliers that I like, but I've spent way too much time looking for them. Like if I could have used the time <laughs> I've spent looking for pliers, actually painting. <laughs> oh, no. That's when I get really frustrated, when I should have yeah. just bought the first pair.
1: And when you talk about pl- pliers, just for those people that are like, why would you need pliers as an artist? What can you explain a bit more?
2: So I've got a particular pair of canvas stretching pliers that have now been discontinued, and right. they're a particular shape that like allows me to hook around the stretcher bars and lock in place, and it just saves me so much
1: um, strength. So when they're in place, that means you can use both hands... On the stable gun. The, on the stable gun. Which is yeah, so that. great.
2: And then like other little frustrations like I keep running out of white paint. It doesn't seem to matter how organized I am. This is probably the third time in maybe 12 months that I've run out of white paint and I always buy more than I think I need. And then it just, it's like I've got a blind spot where I don't notice when I'm running low. Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: You need one of those subscriptions, you know, like people get like a food subscription, you need to do like a white paint subscription where every three months you just get I'd be so one.
2: broke if there was like an art supply subscription. <laughs>
1: can you imagine? Oh my gosh, that would be how to get money out of me, definitely. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe future us can run an art supply store and that's how to yeah,
1: that sounds good.
2: <laughs> I did have a couple of wins this week though, like I did manage to make some progress even though I wasn't feeling that great. And then I had a moment with an Instagram post, and I've been quite happy lately. My ah, Instagram yes. posts have been going better than they have for a long time, which is really lovely when that happens. Um, I put up a post of some of my one of my floral paintings, which is still very much in an unfinished state, and lots of people commented on it, saying,
1: "Just leave it as it is." It did look nice. It does look lovely, but but I could I could imagine because I know in the past that I've had put pictures of work in progress up. And then people go, leave it, leave it how it is, that's perfect. And it's a bit of a, it's tender. It feels a bit like someone poking a bit of a, I don't know, like your funny bone or something.
2: Yeah, it it did feel a little bit jarring in the moment because I was like, that's not how my paintings look. I'm not, I'm obviously not booked. For me, I was feeling like I'm obviously not going to leave it like that. So in the end, it was kind of a nice um, confirmation that people liked the direction that it was heading in. Mm -hmm. But then actually it made me think about that painting more and that effect of having that overlay of blue and I'm thinking about taking that look a pairing it back a little bit but maybe mm-hmm. using like a glaze of color in one of my florals and one of my clouds and tying some of the works together for my exhibition mm-hmm. using that technique it's a thought I'm playing around with and I'm going to have to trial it but it's mm-hmm. definitely uh made me think about something that I probably wouldn't have thought of
1: so yeah well you might you know do a version in photoshop or whatever and have a look and see what you think and it might be like actually no it doesn't feel like you it doesn't feel right yeah but um these sort of little nudges in different directions can be really inspiring and interesting and kind of lead us to places that we perhaps haven't thought of before
2: yeah exactly so that was a really, actually ended up being quite a nice moment because I feel quite excited about exploring that as a possible direction. I'll definitely be doing some trials. So before I commit to anything. Yeah. What about you? Where are you on the fail scale?
1: Probably only, maybe only a six with art. I didn't sell any of my Friday story artworks this week, which was fine because I've done really, really well and sold Almost all of them up until that point. But that made me wonder if perhaps I have saturated that market and all the people that want to buy those have bought them. And maybe I need to now push that in a different direction and perhaps go back to doing a few um, still life pieces or something that I could do smaller and sell those on my stories. So again, trying to not see it as a failure, but just as a kind of like, okay, what, what where can I pivot? I also failed to send... Tracking number to someone, so I had to go and look into that, which just seems to be something that I wish AI could automate for me because I always seem to forget to do that part. And then at the moment, I'm painting over backgrounds, and that is so boring, <laughs> to be honest. I'm repainting lots of checkers, and I'm really regretting past me's decision to do a painting of check with checkers on it because. Each of these squares takes like three layers of paint and yeah, it's 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 not very fast and it's very boring and I find it hard to stay focused and I'm running out of podcasts.
2: Have you had any good moments in the studio?
1: Well, I definitely had a good moment where you helped me stretch my own canvas from from scratch. So oh, using yay. stretcher bars. Yeah. So and that is something that I think I had always thought of was really complicated I'd never wanted to kind of go down that route because it felt quite overwhelming and I assumed that stretch bars to buy them and put them together was going to involve like a lot of I don't know something hammering sawing gluing stuff that it's involved, so easy yeah but it's just like a puzzle four pieces it's locked together and stay together and well- um
2: when we were doing yeah. this, what we were thinking actually is when we get together in August, one thing that we might um, make is a few YouTube tutorials with these sort mm-hmm. of more simple processes that we do all the time
1: well, that we can sort of make do. a few
2: little how-to videos yeah. and pop them up. And they'll just be for free on YouTube. So yeah. just be like sort of nice accompaniment to the podcast. and
1: Yeah. Well, because, I mean, it was just so helpful having you talk me through it. And, I mean, I had my pliers, which are just standard and I that mean, like, you need to use one hand to hold them and one yeah. hand to staple and it was really tricky to do that so yeah the the ones that grip on would definitely be helpful but um but I did it I did it I did it and um, yeah, excited to paint on that and um yeah what was the other f- things oh I've been invited to join a group show in September oh that's and exciting send a few pieces off to a gallery um so yeah that'll be that's quite exciting and um sounds like a nice it sounds like it's going to be an interesting show the subject matter is going to be on like um sweets and lollies and things uh-huh. like that uh-huh. so I love yeah that's why they've asked me and I really love painting those sort of things so um kind of nice to do a little bit of different from glassware and do some lollies so yeah and I'm just really excited about how the flat friends thing is going. Um, I saw that
2: this morning at you. Yeah. see so many people reaching out to each other. Like, yeah.
1: I'd love so to meet cool. another
2: abstract artist and people have be putting yeah. their hands up. I just think, oh, that's so awesome.
1: Yeah. So to sort of like circle back to what you were talking about with your, the, you know, in-person buddies. So nice to think that, that that hashtag that we talked about last week, Flat Friends, if you don't know what we're talking about, hop on, um, either listen to last week's episode or you can go onto the Instagram feed and you'll see a post about that and yeah, use the hashtag Flat Friends to find some studio buddies and I just love, I love that they're, that we're making a community here though. It just feels Yay. so warm and fuzzy. And uh, Believe it or not, We've actually tried to record this twice before, but I think the robots know and they have tried to sabotage. Do <laughs> you know what's funny?
2: Whenever I've used ChatGDP in the pa- in the past, I can't get my words out today. I always use please and thank you. <laughs> and my husband was like, You're using you're being so polite and I'm like, Well if the robots take over, won't they?
1: <laughs> well stay I can't right <laughs> You you know that um those those alarms that you can put on your phone I keep just thinking about the um, the sound. I had it on one of my alarms. <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time I think of GTP, that's the sound I think in my head.
2: I feel like we're both um, dragging out the intro a little bit because we feel a bit nervous about today's subject, but I yeah. feel like we should probably mosey on
1: along. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to talk about AI and Next week, we will <laughs> go back to a bit more of a light-hearted subject matter, I think. So, hmm, um, time for a robot noise.
2: We've put together a bunch of questions that are, we've got responses through Instagram stories.
1: I think we should probably preface it with just a little caveat. This is such a huge topic, and like me, me and you, we've been kind of researching this for like two weeks-ish, if not longer now. And my brain just feels (laughs) about ready to explode (laughs) with all the knowledge that I've kind of been trying to process. And it's just, it's changing so rapidly. And it's such a vast, vast subject that like this podcast might well be out of date in like a couple of weeks. (laughs) And yeah, and just to know that whatever we say here is just through our own lenses and You know, really it's up to the individual to go and do their own research and check the sources and, you know, like,
2: oh, it's just. Or one of the things that came up while we were looking into it was that I feel like every time I tried to find an answer for something, I only ended up finding more questions. Mm. And I guess if the best thing to come out of this is that a few more people start asking a few more questions, then that's a good place to be because I feel like we're at that stage now where it's still evolving And so there aren't, there's not a lot of concrete answers yet.
1: No, it's, it's a very messy sort of situation, I think at the moment. And yeah, it's, I'll be honest, like the whole AI thing, the more, like I hate, dystopian fiction and I hate movies about kind of dystopian disasters and all of that like stuff and then the more I read about and listen to about AI the the more scared I get about everything involving it and um, like I've been dreaming about AI stuff and it's really kind of got to it's actually got to me like I think, I think on, I- a, on a kind of deep level that I didn't I wasn't really fully aware of like the implications of potential potential kind of um, difficulties that will be presented with this with this whole I, sort of revolution.
2: I think there are definitely problems there. It doesn't but I'm not losing sleep over it yet.
1: I mean, it's weird. I yeah. I'm very um like I maybe you're thinking about people... it more deeply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm one of those people, I find it hard to read books about deep subject matter because I get too invested and and I start to read stuff about the potential demise of humanity in, by the year 2047 and stuff like that. It just gets into my head and then I start thinking yeah. and I go in a bit of a deep spiral and like, I think it's good to be aware, like, I hate that my brain does that, <laughs>
2: I think for today we want to try and keep this conversation centered around AI and creative art. But even though we try and just trying to keep it to AI and art, it's still huge. It's still huger than we can fit into one podcast. So yeah. Anyway, before we get too carried away, let's crack on.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, do you want me to do like a little thing about where we talk about what it is for those people that are kind of...
2: Oh yeah, we probably should start with the definition before we go into the questions. So I think we're just going to go with the pretty standard Google definition, guys. There's probably a million out there.
1: AI in art is any form of digital artwork such as images, text, audio or video created with the assistance of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is the simulation of human cognition by machines, particularly computers. So that is the Google definition of... AI in art, and a lot of people will probably think that they don't use AI and never used AI Um, but I think we've got to remember that AI has actually been around and been in use for a long time and a lot of things that you know use any kind of automation will already have been Mm. touched by AI and it will be something that a lot of people don't even realise that they're using when they're using their phone, when they're using any kind of predictive text Anything that's, yeah, mm. got an element of automation yeah, probably involves AI. There's quite so, a lot sort of
2: already built into your Adobe Photoshop suite, for example, yep. that content-aware editing that's presets, been around for a while. you know,
1: presets, filters, you know, all of these things, that's basically AI-generated. Whilst you might not have gone out and used a AI image generator, that's not to say that you haven't used AI in your life. We'll put in the show notes um, a sort of couple of lists of AI image generators and text generators because they're the two main areas that we'll be sort of talking about today. So if you are sort of interested and you, you're you hearing us use words like um, mid-journey or DALI or chat GDP or anything like that and you're confused then by all means head to the show notes have a little look at what those are and then you'll be able to listen and kind of understand what we're talking about without us having to explain it as we go along
2: all right so first question is artists work being used to feed the ai without their permission and are they being compensated or credited so we're starting with one of the biggest and trickiest questions i think
1: i think it's the question really and it was really something that i hadn't thought too much about actually to be honest until we started researching this and i think that's what makes this whole conversation quite interesting because I just don't think a lot of people really think beyond the, oh, look, an image that I've made by typing in some stuff. Um, and there is a lot of backstory to yeah. that. So the answer, I guess, is um, yes, artist work is being used to create these generative programs. And no, at the moment, they are not being compensated or credited.
2: And so it's- Largely being used without permission, so... Yeah.
1: I I did a little bit of research and just into Mid Journey, which is one of the big players in the... um, And when asked the question, did you seek consent from living artists or work still under copyright, the founder, whose name is David Holtz, said, no, there isn't really a way to get 100 million images and know where they're coming from. So he basically just admitted outright that they just went ahead and used you know all the images that they could find and it's called scraping if you read hear the word scraping basically it's kind of like trawling the the internet like as if a giant fishing trawler would trawl the sea and pick up everything it can find data wise and then use that in their creation of their program
2: i can feel myself even when i think about this question i get really i feel defensive just looking at it because i feel yeah. like a lot of people's rights have been violated and people that have put mm. heaps of time and money into that those works that are then being ripped off. There are a few sites where you can go and find out um, if your work has been used and cited. So one of them is called Am I Being Tracked? I'll put a link in the show notes and you can go mm-hmm. in, see if your work has been used using words or an image that you can search. And you can then submit to those sites to take your work down. So I'll put some links in there. It's one of the but ways. How that you-
1: how good that is, like how Yeah You know, like or I feel like that's like I don't know, it's it's a step in the right direction, but it how can we know for a fact that it's gonna be removed or what you know, all mm. of this? It's hard because people on one hand on the pro AI camp will say it's no different from going to study David Hockney works for your whole life and then painting a painting that's using David Hockney as a influence and influencing your style you, you can only copyright a, a single image you can't copyright an, a new image created in the style of something else so there's that kind of angle but the difference with that is that that's a sort of human interpretation of mm, someone else's very work. very different to me. Yeah, well, the thing with the AI scraping of data is that it's literally using those exact same image particles, if you like, yeah, and putting them into a new image. So it's not kind of going, oh, I'll make this in the style of... Like, the way you could explain it would be a chef teaching you know teaching a student writing a recipe down and then that student going and using a recipe that's kind of like how an artist would work in the physical realm versus a chef who has a very signature sort of style and creates food using quite specific ingredients and the scraping style of ai information gathering is like the robot has gone into the chef's pantry and literally taken some you know, like ingredients. See, I see it's
2: more of them taking the final dish and passing it off as their own. Like putting a different garnish on the top, but
1: Yeah, but the thing is that it's not because they have take they've well they've taken the dish, but they've broken it down mm. and they've reconstructed it into several other dishes, but that it's physically the actual pieces you know, yeah. data-wise that they've used. So, yeah, they, you know, say you've made a, you know, I can't even imagine, like a, a dinner, a roast dinner. You could teach me how to make that roast dinner and I would go out and buy my own ingredients and I would make the roast dinner using my store-bought chicken and potatoes and spices and stuff. But the the way that scraping works is that it physically takes ingredients and rearranges those ingredients in a new artwork, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's complicated because
2: the legal framework hasn't caught up. The technology has raced ahead and I feel like mm. they've done it with a few, quite a few big ethical issues in there that they haven't bothered to get clarification around first. Yeah. And I do feel like, God, there's so much money poured into this thing mm. and if someone came along and took a copy of Mid Journey, used all of their code to create a new program, they would have huge issues with it but no one seems particularly concerned with the artist rights and I can feel myself getting all defensive because I do feel like there's, I mean, it's impacting quite a lot of digital artists already and Mm -hmm. they're trying to sound the alarm bell and I really do feel like we need to be aware of it and I hope that the regulation catches up quickly because there needs to be some clarification around copyright and I do hope that someone is out there looking out for artist rights. are
1: basically going to have to be lawsuits that happen yeah that touch on this copyright infringement and when so there is what there's one at the moment um there's three artists sarah anderson kelly mckernan and carla Ortiz, who filed a copyright infringement against stability ai mid-journey and deviant art so um they are pursuing that copyright infringement lawsuit at the moment there's getty images which is also Pursuing a lawsuit, I think against one of I can't remember which one, but they, you know, they've seen in these image images generated that there's Getty images, the watermark, like the the watermark ghosted onto the, you know, like the final product, which kind of proves that this is using stolen, you know, because you're supposed to pay for yeah, copyrighted images, because you're supposed to pay to use you know get image or um, shutterstock or these other sites we'll put a bunch of
2: podcasts in the show notes as well but there's one called an npr podcast called the indicator which has a podcast called the artist versus ai which has got some more in-depth conversation around one of these lawsuits so Mm -hmm. if you want to find out more about that that's a good place to start and there are already some image generating apps that aren't using copyrighted images i can't remember the name of the program I was going to look it up and I forgot I'll find it out and I'll put it in the show notes but if you are if this is something that you're concerned about you can go and find out this information and there are a few AI apps out there that aren't using copyrighted images so I think it's good to try and support Mm. those ones and be a bit more conscious around what you're choosing if you want to play in this space
1: so on to the next question
2: who owns copyright no Mm. we're not getting making the questions any easier (laughs) this was we had a discussion around this last night because I assumed it was going to be the creators that owned the copyright and you assumed it was the programs and it's actually kind of neither, neither. Mm. I think the end result is that you can't put a copyright on images that are currently created using AI is my is that interpretation you did a bit yeah more. I mean
1: mid-journey say that the images can be used commercially by paying members um, allowing for using marketing and art cover art etc however license that license does not grant copyright to ownership of the images basically there isn't really a copyright it's almost like a dual copyright but like so neither neither basically have copyright but so if you go out and go oh i'm going to you know create this amazing image in whatever dali and then i'm gonna go and sell that as a print digital print you have to realize that like especially on Mid Journey, for instance, when I was having a look on that site, there's hundreds of Im- millions of images, thousands being generated all the time. At any point, someone can click on that image and download it and and use it. There's no originality. You can't sort of say, "Here's a thing I created," like as if you would create digital art and then that would be yours. When I was looking on Mid Journey, just just to kind of get my head around it some really funny images popped up and I'll I'll put some in the um, newsletter of like Salvador Dali looking through a keyhole and things like that. And so I bit, literally just could right click on that and save that to my computer. And now that's on my computer. Yeah. And if I wanted to put it on the internet and I could, you know, so that person that typed in that prompt and created that, they they don't own that. And they, they can't tell, you know, they can't go cross if I go out and put that up and say I made it. Because anybody at any point could just right-click on it and use it. It's such and a if,
2: loose – It just yeah. uh, to me, it needs so much regulation. But then I get that people don't want to turn into a nanny state and have it so tightly controlled, but there needs yeah. to be some – even if the images are embedded with the original
1: – When listening to that podcast that you talked – was it that one or there was another one? I don't know. I've listened to so many. I've, my brain's gone a bit like – I'll put a list on it. of a
2: bunch of great podcasts yeah. that sort of delve into this issue further if you're interested –
1: But there is um, just like with NFTs who that have a kind of digital footprint um, and keychain, so that people knew with NFTs who the original author or creator of that NFT was. You couldn't just screenshot it and say, I made this because you could see the blockchain, which is the, the digital fingerprint of that image basically the way forward would be to create that for our own images if we were if we share them online but that's a kind of that only solves the future problem mm. it doesn't solve the the fact that every image ever that's ever been on the internet before hasn't necessarily got that or won't be able to get that post you know yeah. and, and the, as an afterthought
2: we could talk about each of these questions for an entire episode which yeah. is where it gets a bit <laughs> tricky i think
1: Basically, there's no way to find a picture on the internet and automatically trace it to an owner and then have a way of doing anything to authenticate it. So there is no legal framework surrounding AI image generators at this stage. Yeah. Will AI make real art, inverted commas, actually more desirable? What are your thoughts?
2: Well, in some ways, I feel like it's just entering in another genre. So I think AI art will become its own thing. I feel like it'll probably muddy the waters of digital art a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, same with photography. It's going to make that a bit of a trickier. There will probably be a few more rules and regulations put up around photography competitions given what's happened in the past. Yeah, I think it complicates things. I feel like if there are, like one of my big concerns around it is the way that it may make fraudulent accounts look a bit more plausible and so people Mm. may be more conscious about going into a gallery or a physical space to see the work that they're buying because yeah. i think it'll complicate things for buying online because people are going yeah. to be able to make themselves look more like a real artist if they really are just a scammer yeah it's one of the yeah and that might i think up, you know there's yeah. people that can pro- If they wanted to do that enough they could probably do that now without using yeah. ai so i don't yeah. know that it
1: i think it will make real art and by real I mean not saying digital art isn't real art we mean art that's created by a human from start to finish physical art you know but yeah. also photography and digital art I think it will make it more desirable ultimately I think it will be kind of a bit like the difference between going out for a takeaway drive through McDonald's versus going out for to sit down in a restaurant and I'm bringing it back to food again because I was bringing back (laughs) food analogies but you know I mean like there's a time and a place for that sort of fast food and then there's a time and a place for going out for a meal and sitting down and really appreciating the all the elements and all the time that's gone into creating that you know experience of having a meal and the skill that's gone into that
2: I think it's going to impact certain areas more than others. So every time something new happens like this we hear that it's going to be the big disruptor and it's going to mm. arts going to become obsolete and I don't know that it's going to do that. Whether it makes real art more desirable or not, I'm not sure either. I
1: I feel like it will impact the people that do a lot of what I would call kind of bread and butter piece work you know, illustrators, designers, graphic designers, things like that. Those people that want an entire sort of rebrand or, you know, like a big marketing campaign or whatever, I think they're still gonna invest money in, say, an illustrator or a graphic designer to create that. Um, And not necessarily just go on the internet and type in something to get an AI to make a logo. But for those graphic designers, perhaps, to, that rely on kind of a small frequent little bits and bobs type work where you know can you can you help me with this logo or dah, 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 dah. you know mm. those kind of little jobs or can you change the colors on this for me please and those smaller independent artists that do that kind of work that's not huge paying but they do frequently little bits of it and that all adds up to give them an income yeah I worry that that is where AI will come in and kind of take over that market, and so that will cut out that kind of middle to low end of kind. You know what I mean? Like I did it for years. I did photography
2: and graphic design to support my art business mm. because I, like my taking a painting can take me months and months to actually sell. Yeah, exactly. In saying that, I do wonder how much, because if someone wanted to make their own logo, Canva's been doing that for people already for years.
1: Yeah, but a lot of people don't have the kind of even nows to go and do that.
2: I think this is one thing that we've got to keep in mind. So while I could go into AI and say, give me a logo for the letters JB, it could give me quite a lot of options, but it does not mean that any of them would necessarily be good. I Mm. think that where... You still need to have someone with style and taste curating those images with a design background who knows how to put things together, I think, to take things to that next level. But I think the people who are in those fields who are going to do well are going to pivot to use AI to help them make their design and branding business better, Yeah, to use it to help with idea generation and refinement and... But that's not saying I still do think that a lot of people are going to lose their jobs and it's going to be catastrophic to a lot of industries, but it is also going to give some people some options. And I think right. because for me, like, yes, I could go in and do all that stuff, but I don't have the time and I don't want to be thinking about it. I'd rather have someone who specialised in that area do those things yeah. for
1: me. But we, I think, as artists see the value in using a real human. And what I worry is mm. that there are a lot of people out there who come from a different, completely different background you know like not an art background they come from a product background or a whatever they whatever their industry is who need design work done yeah and they potentially are the people that go down that what's the fastest cheapest route yeah. rather than that seeing the value in hiring a graphic designer or illustrator or whatever
2: yeah no that's really, i think the bigger companies are going you will see them hiring a lot less people
1: yeah Okay, next question.
2: (laughs) Okay, so is it like a version of face filter where we all lose our unique voices if we're not careful? Will there be no originality anymore? Will we all be underpaid
1: and undervalued? If we're not careful, it will stop people from using their creative brains. You You can look at it in two camps where it can be really, really helpful tool for kids learning... For instance, like my son has been using it to help summarize text so that he can understand complicated text more easily. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then he can go and answer a question based on that. But there will be people that misuse it or use it to generate the answer as well. And then you're cutting out part of that creative process.
2: Do you know? So, as a real life example, when I first decided, when I was first planning my exhibition, I sat down with a bunch of friends and we were trying to come up with names for a title of the show that would incorporate flowers Mm -hmm. and clouds. And one of them was like, oh, I'll I'll put it into chat GPT and see what it comes up with.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I did not like any of the suggestions. They were all incredibly... um,
1: pastiche.
2: Yeah, and that's the (laughs) thing is that it can only come up with ideas that have been thought of before. It's always going to be, in my mind, a little bit derivative. Generative, yeah. So it can't look at my work or look at those two words and see what I see about them or think about my work in that way. So for me the connection between the two has a lot to do with depth and colour and composition, but it can't see those things. No. like I think we can't – and that's the side that I would hate to lose if people just use it automatically because I think if someone was just like, oh, I can't think of an idea, I'll use AI to help me – Exactly, it loses that personal and emotive connection with what what you're mm-hmm. trying to do.
1: It's it's sort of bypassing the stage of kind of brainstorming and idea generation, and you know all of that that comes from your own personal experience point of view. If people are too quick to go in and go, oh, let's just get ChatGTP to come up with five different logo designs and or five different slogans for my website like yes on one hand that can be really really helpful and and cut down time and you know help you figure out sometimes what you don't want at least Mm. but for some people and I think especially for younger people who haven't had as much life experience in knowing what they like and what they don't like and things like that if this becomes too easy it's it's almost getting to that point of like living off mcdonald's every day because of convenience and then not realizing how unhealthy that is in the long run you know yeah for your mind to not be thinking and coming up with the ideas and only coming up with the prompts it's not necessarily a good thing
2: i what i do when i and i often, i think feel the same way but sometimes when i hear us talking like that i think about the way that My parents' generation talks about smartphones. Back in my day, Mm. we didn't have access to...
1: I think that what I mean is we all need to use it mindfully. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, because actually our parents are probably right about smartphones.
2: (laughs) It's interesting now that there's that such big movement away from them that I see more and more people talking about how trying to not use their phones as much or not be as connected in one of their podcast episodes that I listened to, they were talking about how there are lots of good and lots of, lots of positives and lots of negatives, but just because there are just as many positives as negatives doesn't mean it doesn't take into account the gravity of some of them. Mm. So for me, while I think there are so many positives and potential with AI, I think the gravity of the negatives is a lot heavier and I think has a lot bigger complications. And I, I worry that we're going to get caught up in the yeah amazingness novelty. and the novelty mm-hmm. and the magic and the funny that comes with AI. Yeah,
1: and we're almost blindsided by the actual real damage that it might potentially do in the long run. What about non-creative people being able to instantly get AI to generate work that they can then put their name on and sell via Redbubble? Etc.
2: And this is what I think we were talking about earlier when we talked yeah. about it'll muddy the water of digital art and that space. When And just because people can use AI to generate work, it does not mean it's going to be good work. I just think there's mm. going to be more stuff out there, yeah. which is not, I don't think it's a good thing. I think that no. having a smaller curated set of good quality
1: work is always going to be better than just lots. Hopefully will make a sort of full circle move back to people going, oh, you know what? I don't want something so, like, watered down and readily available and, like, mm. ten a penny. And I actually want something that, you know, comes from an, you know, an artist or a graphic designer or a digital illustrator has on their own unique website and they've got T-shirts with an image on, but they've actually only produced 50 of them. So they're yeah. actually quite unique. And, yes, a higher price point, but, you know, I'm actually going to buy a piece of something that there's not many of. And, you know, maybe maybe that will happen.
2: Yeah, hopefully, like you've just said, it'll change that movement back to more of a quality over quantity and have people move to a more artisan, bespoke product that has had a hand touch it will become more valuable and more sought after, he's hoping.
1: Yeah, I mean, that really is all you can hope. A worry It is a worry, like my husband typed in in one of them, I can't remember what it was, Bing image creator or something, to create an image of a glass with a lemon in the slice, a lemon slice in the style of Phoebe Gander art and then showed me a picture of like, and it was pretty similar to my style, like it wasn't like you could tell it wasn't me but if that was mid-journey or somewhere where them, it's much more sort of sophisticated, mid-journey's a more kind of invested into the image creation there's much more sort of um detailed and the quality just generally you can sort of see is a lot better They then mm. they can create hands realistically now for instance on mid-journey which is something that a lot of the free sites are still struggling with then i was thinking gosh that's a worry from you know because somebody could do that i hope they don't but somebody could do that and then go out there and say oh here's my prints and make a whole website and sell prints and, you know, oh, it just.
2: Yeah, that's one of the big worries for me as well because I obviously have not deliberately not done prints in my business. But there would be no one stopping someone to create images Mm. that look
1: like my work and sell them as prints. And it would be very And they wouldn't necessarily put our names on it. This is what they mean. They could could Even if they did, it's a joke.
2: Yeah, it would be a big legal cost for either of us to fight that
1: Exactly, and
2: for any small artist out, I mean, it's so easy for the scammers and so hard for artists. Or not even that people doing that are scammers, because that's the thing: is that technically they're not breaching copyright at the moment. No, no, but to me it is. To me, that would be devastating.
1: Yeah, it would be. It would be for me if someone sent me a link to a website, you know, and it was like Jane Smith art and on jane smith arts page was painting a you know digital picture after picture of of glasses with with slices of fruit or tea c- cups whatever and none of them were ones that i'd actually painted but the, this you know everything there all the ingredients were there if you like come <laughs> back to ingredients sorry um <laughs> hungry. i can't get i just need to eat i had a very boring like, breakfast um there's nothing stopping them and mm. it's so great and, and they haven't copied me in in you know inverted commas but they also haven't even gone out and created those in procreate or you know painted them or anything like that they've just typed in a few words and pressed enter and then they could go on a Uh, image-creating site which can provide high-resolution large files, download those, put them on their website, print them onto paper, sell them. And they've got a business model. Mm.
2: It's such a worry. Like, if I'd be, I don't know, I keep thinking about this because I know that Meta is planning on making one and I Mm. just feel like that would mean that all of our Instagram images are caught up and it'll make it so easy for people to generate
1: images. I mean, they're they're literally pumping... Billions of dollars into the meta one.
2: Yeah, and in but they're not asking like all of the others. It's not an opt-in scenario. So you've already
1: opted in by signing up to Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, like technically, and because they're not taking the actual image and repurposing it pixel by pixel, exactly the same. They believe you know ethically they've done enough by just taking the data
2: <laughs> in my uh, mind the last few weeks all I've thought of is I need to take all the images off my Instagram and yeah. then I was like oh but then they're all over my website as well and my gallery's website it doesn't matter and, because
1: and it, they've already been there yeah I know you can even if you delete them it doesn't matter it's still it,
2: do you know who I who's feeling smug right now you know how we all know at least one artist who is like oh I'm not going on Instagram I'm not doing that I'm not putting my information out there and we've yes. all gone oh yeah yeah
1: Instagram worries me. It, <laughs> but then you know, personally, I couldn't have got the career that I've got without Instagram. Where, I know. You, you know where I live, there's no way. I, I'm biting the hand that feeds me. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, okay, oh, okay, okay. Next question. Oh God, where are we up to? And um, so that we've basically just got touched on that. The impact for artists sharing their work online and how, a- now, as now, AI can use those images. Will it put people off sharing work? And how can they go around... Get around it. Get around that. So this kind of brings me on to that thing that you shared with me, the Glaze project. It's a project created at the moment by some um, academic research group of PhD students. And they have basically... Um, decided to create this so it's i think a more of a digital watermark rather than a um it changes the pixels on a very minute scale unrecognizable to the human eye but to a ai it sort of confuses it enough that it can't um recreate those yeah it it can't scrape the image
2: also adding a normal watermark apparently can help so adding a digital watermark or a physical watermark using low resolution images is another suggestion but to me that sounds like a bit of a if you're bothering to use instagram then using poor quality images seems yeah i don't I, that sort of seems counterintuitive counterintuitive to me
1: but maybe a web only size you know you can get like um yeah you can kind of compress your image down to kind of a web image i mean it's all a lot of extra work that we're going to have to do isn't it <laughs> Yeah. Which I just really don't want to do.
2: Exactly. Um, I think it's making it a lot more complicated for the artists. Yeah. Which it's is not it's great. putting
1: the onus on an artist rather than the onus on the companies that have created these programs.
2: At the moment, I feel like a lot of the options are asking people to I mean, they're focusing on an opt out option for artists, but I think it should require the big companies to get an opt-in. Like, yeah, I don't think you should be automatically included.
1: No, it's very ethically, I feel, immoral for these hugely powerful, rich companies to sort of just say, "Okay, we've we've included you, and now we're going to possibly come up with a way, after a load of lawsuits, that you could opt out." in the future. And that's, I mean, that's if
2: just you find your images on... Yeah. It, you know, I don't have time to go and look at five or no. six different image generator sites to see if I've been used oh, in their and data there's, set.
1: there's 12 probably now.
2: Oh, it's just exhausting to think about. So one it's of the a... things that I kept hearing that made me worry about this is that there are some quite notable people that have already been excluded from the data set. These data sets have been put together by humans. So yep. they're an algorithm that has been created. And they can exclude people,
1: yeah. but they've chosen
2: yeah. not to from vast majority of people. But if it's just the rich and the powerful that can opt, that have yeah, the money yeah, and yeah. the time to fight things, and it exactly, it makes it a very questionable system. And one of the points that got brought up by when I was listening to another podcast called "Not a Real Artist," one of the points that worried, one of the things that worried those two women was that. Which two
1: women? The women that were doing the podcast? Yeah, the women that are okay. on
2: the podcast, was that what the data set is made up of, that's what, what it's going to continue to reproduce. So it's going to keep reinforcing stereotypes and prejudices. And Oh, my
1: gosh, yeah. There's, I mean, that's a whole other podcast in itself. Like the Yeah,
2: but I mean, there of... are a lot of ethical issues that just have not been taken into yeah. account when they were creating this stuff.
1: exactly. Oh, it's just, and also things like I think I read an article of someone typing in Edward Hopper. They wanted to find an image by Edward, Edward Hopper, and the top image that Google image shirt showed was a woman in a red dress. It was an AI image. Google's search database hadn't been able to dif- distinguish that this wasn't an original Edward Hopper, that this was just an AI image in the style of Edward Hopper, but it was number one on the Google image search. Imagine how so infuriating to the un- that would be yeah. if
2: someone went to search for your art and instead they came to an AI image of art that had been made using your art but that you were getting no credit for and yeah. that directed them away from your webpage and exactly. art information. and not and- just
1: that, but that say you're a student and you're doing an essay and you didn't check the source, you know, you might right click on that image, download that, put that in your, you know, your whatever, and here's one of Edward Hopper's pictures, you know, and it's like, this is just now, this is at the very beginning and mm. it's like the more images that get generated in the style of these people, the the more the internet's going to be filled with this stuff and how it's going to get to the point where you're not going to be able to see the wood for the trees. <laughs> Would you use AI as a source image for your artwork?
2: Personally, I wouldn't because I do like to have creative control over all of the elements and especially while it's so unregulated I wouldn't use an image not knowing who's taken it, where it's come from. I only ever use my own images anyway. Where Mm -hmm. I see potential in AI in the future in this regard is say if I've taken a photo of a cloud and Mm -hmm. I'm happy with 90% of that composition but a small area doesn't sit right or I want to change it or I feel like AI will help me to, if I needed to change just that tiny little bit using a Mm -hmm. source image that would fit inside that scene, that would have the light and the shadows Mm -hmm. that's where i sort of see the future in ai helping me with my work but i don't think it's there yet and i'm not willing to use the programs yet
1: yeah i would want it to be yeah personally at the beginning before i did all this research i would have said yes oh great i can you know potentially type in something and create interiors or like sort of references that are beyond what i could set up in my own studio or home um, you know with the really sophisticated like not the cheap free ones i was thinking oh, i'd i'd be willing to pay good money for like the cuz some of the really realistic ones where they do some interior kind of,
2: mockups and stuff
1: yeah not just the interiors but even like um oh like some i saw this artist amber victoria i think she's called and she it was like desert landscapes with uh, i'll put some images in the um newsletter They're quite incredible i think um, the jealous cr- cr- Jealous yeah, yeah, had shared some, um, oh, cool. so I'll put that into incredible images of like um, sort of almost like balloons piled up on top of each other, like see-through orbs and, st- you know, very contrasting images in a kind of very stark landscape. You know, they couldn't exist together, but they did in this AI generated image. And it's something that, you know, digital artists could have in the past created, but it would have taken them, you know, a week to create this single image now it can be done bing it's done my idea type it in at the beginning I sort of saw that and thought oh that's amazing yeah you could make some really sort of surreal amazing images and it could look really realistic you can get amazing like technically accurate shadows and things like that and now I've done the research (laughs) into how those images are actually getting that original data and that's what doesn't sit comfortably with me. Mm. And so like you if I were to use AI I'd want to use it you know within a program where I could put my image in my original images so I could feed the program five or six images and then say using these images can you create a new image and know that those Images are not going to be open source. They're going to be closed source, stay within Mm. my own database, in my password protected site or whatever. And the outcome would be for me and my eyes only. And then I would be happy with using that based on a set of prior personally owned images that I'd yeah, it, you know there I'm are doing.
2: quite a lot of people out there use, creating their own AI databases and that's what you're talking about doing, yeah. like, creating your own database of, of imagery. Yeah. It'll ha- it'll happen at the moment, yeah. everyone. The the excitement is around those. I can see potential for it in the future, but to me yeah. personally, I want to see a bit more regulation before I'm willing to play around with it.
1: And you've got to remember that as well, whenever anyone is using any of these sites, any of these image generators or text generators, you're basically kind of teaching it so every interaction that you have is going to further kind of educate this system so you know it's a it's a two-way street you know like if you're going to use it you've got to realize that you're also informing it as well so that again kind of makes me feel oh, not sure if I want to be a part of it you know you could probably help yourself streamline a lot of things and create source images there is scope for people and there are ways that designers illustrators artists can use it to shortcut a lot of stuff i mean to be fair i do see value in the to text ones a lot more i think at the moment the chat gtp side of things i i can definitely see that you know it will help lots of people especially people who have like dyslexia or learning difficulties or speak Um, English as a second language or whatever as a second language, you know, it could be a really, really useful tool.
2: Like, I think there are good things that come out of it, but how they've gotten there. The one thing that I only saw brought up once, I think, was the the environmental impact. Yes. Which does worry me. Like, people have started jumping up and down about it with NFTs. And if anything, AI uses more than NFTs. So there's a lot more computing power and needed to make it all run and work.
1: The data sets used to train AI are increasingly large and take an enormous amount of energy to run. The MIT Technology Review reported that training just one AI model can emit more than 626,000 pounds of carbon dioxide equivalent, which, which is nearly five times the lifetime emission of an average American car.
2: I know I hate to be all doom and gloom about it but these are things that I think we need to think about you're going to use it you should be aware of the full scope of yeah of positives and negatives not
1: just the positives and I'm sorry if you're listening and you're a really big fan of AI and I and I want to just sort of like say there's no shame or judgment on other people that are using it this is just me and my personal kind of view and it's everybody has a right to kind of do whatever they want and just oh, absolutely you know, just educate yourself basically if, if you're going to use it that's all my suggestion would be
2: at the end of the day we're using phones and computers and podcasting and yeah. we're making we've got our <laughs> own environmental footprint we're not saying exactly. You can't there's no perfect solution to any of it i just no. think it is part of the conversation it is not a black and white issue it's it's definitely this is one of those grey areas Just because we're running short on time, I think we might have to wrap it up today. But I also think that this is an issue that's going to keep evolving. So we might just keep touching on it every now and again with a few updates as they happen. Um, Hopefully we'll have some interesting conversations on this on Instagram with, with everyone as they, I guess, learn and use it as well. I'm sure that there are a lot of people already using AI who love it. I'm sure there are some people that are going to be staunchly against it. It's just the nature of things. But I think if we can get people starting to talk together about those things and maybe learning some of the other side, it's probably a healthy way to have a conversation as opposed to just two people. I don't
1: want to be in any particular camp of, you know, pro or against. I feel just at the moment overwhelmed and that I'm just sort of sitting in the middle going, oh, I'm not really sure about all of it and that's kind of you know that's why we just need to keep talking and
2: uh, yeah and, look I'm and, not uh, using it I'm informed. not using those programs at the moment but I'm not saying that in the future I won't I, I do I think it's it's an evolving issue
1: mm-hmm
2: all right well. Okay. Shall we start off just by saying a few Ko-Fi thank yous, So, yes. or coffee thank yous. We still don't know how to say that.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to call it Ko-Fi because, do you know what, I, Like that's how it's about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so a quick thank you to Sarah, Wendy, Michelle, Melanie, Abby, Joanna, Patricia, Teresa, Caroline and Claire. Your coffees have been amazing. Oh, thank you so much. They are um, helping us put together a few ideas when we catch up in person.
1: Yeah. Um, We we really appreciate it. Yeah. We're hoping to
2: make some stuff uh, for you guys while we are together as well. So we'll um,
1: give back. (laughs) Yeah. Shall we do some artist shout outs?
2: Yes. Um, So you can submit these shout outs via the link in our bio on Instagram. So if you've got an upcoming show or an artwork release that you'd like to get a few more eyes on, It's really hard to put yourself out there and this is just a little area in the podcast that we dedicate to talking about you guys and your work.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so first is Reva Ashton at Ashton Fine Art and she is at the Affordable Art Fair in Sydney. She'll be exhibiting for the first time with Gallery NWC and Sydney artists and art fans love to meet you there. You can find me at store1-b3 or DM her for more info. So the second one is Lorraine
2: Streetfield and I'll put her Instagram link in the show notes. So beneath the surface, our first in-person show at Young Art Hunters Factory in Milan, Italy from May 13th to 27th. Uh, global Art Atelier 21 is a global art collective. Nine artists who met during the CVP 21 program and didn't want the fun to end. So That sounds awesome.
1: OK, next is Sam Waters Um, at Sam Waters Artist at Brid North Open House Arts Trail um, with 70 artists on the trail at 38 venues across the beautiful town of Brid North in Shropshire in the UK. The event will run for two days, Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th of June and this will be her first time exhibiting on the trail so she's super excited to be showing her work. Um, she will be in Costa Coffee with Coffee and Art and it's What's not to like about that?
2: And a wee shout out to Phoebe, who has got her coaching program up and running when she sent out her newsletter last week. So Mm. I'll put a link in the newsletter. So go along and check that
1: out. Oh, thank you, Julie. It's always hard to do self-promotion. I appreciate that. Quotes. My first quote is, by far, the greatest danger of artificial intelligence is that people conclude too early that they understand it. And that is by Eliza Yudkowski.
2: And so my quote is one that Phoebe found earlier that I really loved. So it is, AI-generated art is the exact opposite of what I believe art to be. Fundamentally, I've always felt that art is all about translating something that you feel internally into something that exists externally. And simply pressing a button to generate an image is not a creative process. And that's from Rob Biddulph, who is a children's author. Author and
1: illustrator, I should say. Right, should we try and end on a bit of a funny positive note?
2: Let's end on a funny fail. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's all got a bit heavy. And and we have some more AI fun at the very end if you've you've stuck it at this.
1: (laughs) This is from Nicole Black, um, at by Nicole Black on Instagram. She was painting her first big council mural and her car keys were in the front pocket of her overalls. I leant over to pick something up. And they fell out of the pocket and into the 10 litre can of white paint. At that very moment, the town mayor had come past the wall to introduce herself. And I had to decide between getting the keys out or shaking her hand. Somehow, I managed to act cool, quickly grab the keys and wipe off all the white white paint before getting up to meet her. It was a very stressful couple of seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that would be definitely something I could do. Okay. (sighs) All right. Well, that just about wraps up this (laughs) extremely (laughs) exciting podcast. I hope you stuck with us. Um, I hope Julie managed to edit it down to make it really short and sweet.
2: All right. So, if 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 you're still there, dear listener, um. If you can recommend us to one of your friends if you've enjoyed this podcast or maybe any of our other ones, um, that would be fantastic. It helps us get found and helps us to keep growing. Yes. You can find the podcast over on Instagram at fail like an artist. And you can find us personally over at our personal pages. So I'm at Julie Battisti or dub 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 juliebatisti.com and you can find Phoebe over at
1: I'm at um Phoebe Gander Art on Instagram or PhoebeGander.com on the internet and don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast so that you get notified immediately when we have a new episode out and um, yeah if you want to buy us some coffee there's a link down at the bottom of the show notes and in the newsletter so until next time thanks Julie
2: <laughs> Thanks for tuning in see you later
1: Keep failing. <laughs>
2: So Phoebe got ChatGTP to write Fail Like an Artist a uh, rap mm-hmm. and she's going to perform it now a cappella.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is my a cappella rap in the style of um, People Just Do Nothing, which is a UK TV show that you may or may not know. No, I do. Okay, ready? AI is creeping, stealing jobs from afar, but Fail Like an Artist knows how to raise the bar. They say creativity is what AI can't do, so keep being unique and let your talent shine through. <laughs> Fail like an artist, that's the name of the game. Lose to gain and don't be ashamed. Shut up, you can do it, don't you ever. Quit, keep pushing forward (laughs) bit by bit. So don't fear the AI, just embrace your art. Keep honing your skills and make a fresh start. Fail like an artist has got your back with their catchphrase so bold no AI can hold a tack. Fail like an artist, that's the name of the game. (laughs) Lose to gain and don't be ashamed. Shut up, you can do it. Don't you ever quit. Keep pushing pushing forward, bit by bit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Shut up, you can do it. It's the chorus
1: line. (laughs) It it was a lot longer, but I just cut out the rest. There was like seven verses. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I know. I was like, okay, you can stop now. This is a very long (sighs) rap. (laughs)